Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Sama, Sisters Against Mental Abuse. I'm your host, Misty, and today I wanted to talk about narcissism. I know that a lot of people are paying more attention to their mental health, which is a good thing, but we're also being a little careless with how we label different personalities and different people. I'm starting to hear the terms narcissist a lot um, and gaslighting a lot. So what is a narcissist? What is gaslighting? Um, today we have joining us again, Natalie Lamb. She's a sociologist and a counselor with a huge background in so many different areas of mental health, including personality disorders. So if you haven't already, check out our interview with her called The Eight Dangerous Men. Natalie, everyone loved your breakdown of The Eight, Eight Dangerous Men. So thank you for coming again to help us break this down, break down the conversation about narcissism. I heard the word narcissist years ago, but it seemed like back Back then, people were using it to describe someone who was just arrogant. Now, they're using it to describe what they view as mental abuse or negative behavior. So as someone with an extensive background in mental health, what is a narcissist? And also, hello. <laughs> <laughs> hello, Misty. Thank you for having me again. Um, I'm glad that the dangerous man was well received, and I hope that it helps to protect a lot of women. Definitely, narcissism is the buzzword of social media. It is everywhere. Um, if we let everyone tell it, everyone is a narcissist. And I think that that um, minimizes, right, the extent of what it really is to have this disorder. Um, everyone that is arrogant is not a narcissist. Everyone that is a jerk is not a narcissist. Everyone that has harmed you is not a narcissist, right? So it is good for us to understand the differences um, of what we are talking about so that we are not just throwing around labels and not looking at characters and traits. And when we look at just characters and traits, for the normal person, right, you don't even need to necessarily have a label. You just need to know the character and traits that are harmful, and that is your red flag to stay away. And I think that if we break it down more that way, we will be able to have better language to protect ourselves. And it's not to say don't use the, the label of narcissist or um, you know gaslighting, which we will get into a little later, but it is for us to understand the complexity of some of these things. Does that make sense? Yeah. And you just said something, I was going to address this later. It's like people see these harmful behaviors and they're struggling, they want to label it, but they're they're not as focused on getting away from the person as they are trying to label it. And And honestly, I don't know if it's because people feel more comfortable when they have labels or it's like, these are red flags, you know, you're calling this person a narcissist, even if they, they are, or if they aren't, right? why aren't you trying to get away? <laughs> you're looking for the words to label them. Um, so uh, we've gone around it, but what is a narcissist? And, and can you tell us a little bit about personality disorders? Okay, so a narcissist is one of 10 of personality disorders, okay? I'm going to be just a little technical for a moment because I want us to be able really to have this language and understanding so that we are moving in the right space so that when you're evaluating yourself or others, you actually are understanding what this really is, right? Um, so a personality disorder really is what a person is, okay? It's different than 
um, mental illness versus a personality disorder, uh, we have to see them a bit differently because a disorder is really the system itself has went haywire, right? Um, and, you know, when we first started talking about this, and this was back in like 1941, where um, Hervey Checkley coined psychopath, right? And everybody's heard what a psychopath is. Gang of movies about them. We're actually really fascinated with them. Um, but it really just means psychologically ill, right? And then analysts came and changed it and turned it into sociopath, which means really that the society now is showing up this illness, right? Um, and then, you know, you have all the other ones that come into it. But when we talk about a personality disorder, you're thinking about your psychological toolkit, right? How you function and handle everyday life is what has gone haywire. So your toolkit is your perception, your experiences, and your behaviors, right? And that's why we can focus in on the characteristics of whomever is harming because this is really your psychological toolkit, right? Um, and when you look into there, then you have a trait set. So everyone has different trait sets that kind of look like their personality, but a trait is the capsule you use to adjust to different situations. When we think about a disordered person, right? It is when the personality that is wired is a trait that never does anything else. It's pretty fixed and it's rigid. So it's not moving away from what it is. And the traits that they have is where there is deficiency. So we can look at and say someone is arrogant, right? We can look and say someone is manipulating me, but we have to look at what traits are they using to accomplish that? Because that's really gonna tell us where their deficiency is, if you need to label and understand. Remember that with personality disorders, there is nothing there really to fix. Like what's in them is what's in them and it's really not changing. We call these um, to be pathological, right? And pathological means that it's pervasive, it's everywhere. It's, it's, it's not really moving away from what it is. And when we can look at it like that, we start realizing that it's not a lot of help that anyone can do. And because none of us are clinicians and, and we're not trying to treat someone, right? We're trying to be in a relationship with someone, not treat them, then what their issues are and their labeling of their issues becomes not really where we need to put most of our intention on. What we need to put most of our attention on is what are the character characteristics, excuse me, what are the traits, what are the behaviors, and how are they being used against me so that I can say, is this a safe place to be or not? So when we look at the traits, you look at the traits have, have for having trait restrictions. There are certain things that they just aren't capable of doing. And they'll never be capable of doing. And that's the scary part of it when we really think about what personality disorders are. They don't have the ability to self-correct as normal people do. We learn from our bad consequences. We learn how to do something different. We say, this is not serving me well. But when you have a personality disorder, you lack an observing ego, which means that you cannot look at yourself and see where your problem is and be able to correct it. 
So their lives are driven by a hidden agenda. Everything they do is based around this agenda for themselves that they have kind of created in order for them to move through the world, okay? Um, you have to have a really intact sense of self to be able to self-correct, to be able to problem solve. They are not problem solvers. So what they do is create drama. And that's why anyone that's involved with, with a person that has a personality disorder, there's always a drama triangle. There's always confusion. There's always upset. There's always conflict. That's not normal. Do we get on each other's nerves sometimes? Yes. Are there problems in our relationships? Yes. But when there is consistent conflict, consistent upheaval, always something to fight about, argue about, feel bad about, that's not a safe person. So if I label you a narcissist or not, you're not safe. And what we need to start doing is look at, are you safe for me or not? Okay. So drama is this little, you know, here, kitty, kitty, come over here and play with me. Let me disturb your life. Let me cause you upheaval because that's where they get a bit of their high from. In what you just said, like they need that, that drama. Does that cover the narcissist specifically, or are we talking about across multiple uh, personality disorders? This is across the personality disorder. Of the 10 personality disorders, all of them have trait deficiencies that look different. And some of them kind of commingle, but they look different. Um, and they all have a different hidden agenda that stops them from falling in light to an abyss, you could say, right? So the drama helps to validate their identity so that they have nothingness. They're pretty blank people inside. This is across the board. So the craziness, the, the making you feel crazy, all that crazy making helps them stay above water in whatever way they use it. And they recognize that they're doing that to you, but it keeps the circle going. It keeps you in this triangle of trying to get back. Now, with a narcissist in particular, you think about it, they have a charming way about them oftentimes. And what often happens is we are pulled in or lulled in by the charm in the beginning, right? By the story in the beginning. Um, people with personality disorders, for the most part, and I won't say every last one of them, for the most part, have been dealing with this since childhood, okay? So they've been studying how people were different than them. They recognize that they are not like everybody else, but they have to try to fit in. So the creation of how they move and how they do it will be unique to each person, but there's overall, you know, like we can label some things with a broad brush, but you always want to recognize people have a unique way of being in the world. And we have to recognize that sometimes when I'm being triggered, when I'm being, you know, emotionally reactive, when I'm constantly feeling bad about myself, right? When I'm constantly trying to make up excuses for somebody else's behavior, then that's a cue to me that I've got to step back and really look and see what's going on. I tell my clients a lot of times that giving the benefit of the doubt rarely benefits you, <laughs> Right? Because it keeps you with a lot of bad people around you because you're not willing to say, I need to cut it off. 
and our search for whys and, and, and how could this be and sad stories and all of that keeps us in a dangerous position because every time we stay when someone mistreats us, every time we allow somebody to manipulate and, and con us and we don't react back with absence of ourselves, right? Or we don't make sure their behaviors is absolutely changed. If somebody that's not disordered, we can make them make sure their behaviors are changed. Me staying is giving them a nod that it's okay because we teach people how to treat us. We teach people what is acceptable and what is not acceptable. We teach people how far they can go with us and keep us in their good graces. So I'm paying attention to that stuff and I'm learning really to self-evaluate of why am I still here? <laughs> why am I still putting up with this? This is unneeded, but part of the crazy making is that you are constantly trying to go back to that good person you met in the beginning. No one shows up just a plum full, right? They, they, they camouflage. They're able to be a chameleon, right? They're able to show up and be who you need them to be from what you have given them. So I keep trying to get back to that good person. I keep trying to say, no, but what we experienced had to be real, right? What we experienced had to be true. Like that was not a lie. So this maybe this bad person that's showing up, maybe this manipulator, maybe this, we can call some people a gaslighter, maybe this harmful person is not the real one. Maybe the real one is really the good guy and this guy keeps showing up differently. So what's wrong? What happened? And they'll feed us as many excuses as we need to hear in order to keep us with them. Make sense? Wow. I mean, yeah. And that, that describes so many of the relationships that I hear about. Cause I, I come mm -hmm. into contact with different black women and, and that's what they describe is it's that, that that's what it is at the beginning. Things are great. And then at some point, you know, they switch up on you and you're like, Hey, wait a minute, <laughs> what happened yeah. here? You know? So it, it keeps you in this, this cycle, like you said, where you're wondering what's going on. Is it me? Am I crazy? This person changed all the whole entire time they know what they're doing mm -hmm. and they're doing things on purpose yes because once you I guess maybe once we adapt to you know this behavior then they try something else and it's always more extreme the next time too so yes. I, I, yeah I definitely understand where you are yeah. so people can take away something more uh solid because you just said a lot and it's a lot to digest if yes. we could Briefly summarize what a personality disorder is and then briefly summarize what is a narcissist. Okay. So when we're thinking of a personality disorder, we're thinking of the person being disordered, right? Their characteristics are disordered, their personal, I mean, their uh, psychological toolkit is disordered. How they move in the world is disordered. It is pervasive. It's not moving. It's not changing. It is what it is. Because you're not a clinician and a psychologist, their ability to be treated or not treated is really none of your business. What you're concerned with right now is how is it affecting me? So the biggest thing that I, when I teach this seminar, um, is really what I do want people to understand is that it's not fixable. It's not changing. This is who they are. This is who 
they have learned to be, they have created traits and ways to move through this world so that they can be not detected until they want to be detected, if that makes any sense. Okay. okay. So that's the overall is 10 different personality disorders. There's three different clusters. Um, the narcissists fall in cluster B and that goes along with antisocial personality disorder, which is what we often call uh, the sociopath um, or the psychopath, borderline, histrionic. Um, you know, there's, there's a lot of them in there, right? And sometimes what we're labeling, because narcissism is what we're so used to labeling, um, you know, we throw around sociopath and, and, and psychopath a lot as well. Uh, but we have to really get to what it is, right? So that we can say, okay, maybe this is what they are. But then again, what I want to really want to emphasize is their label matters less to you than their traits and behaviors, okay? But to just, you know, slimline what a narcissist's personality is. So you're looking at one to 5.5% of the population is narcissistic, okay? 50 to 75% of men are the ones that are often diagnosed with it. When we look at the hidden agenda, remember I said that their behavioral traits, their psychological toolkit is all around this hidden agenda. Mm -hmm. So their hidden agenda is their behavior sets things up to prove that they are better than everyone else, that they deserve to be served and admired, that they are entitled to special treatment and that other people are fools. So that's the hidden agenda. That's how they uh, come to the world. This is what they're thinking about, right? When we look at their lifelong attachment patterns, we're looking at them being dominating, demanding, and exploitive with their attachments. And this really does work across the board. Now, that's not to say that they never know how to uh, smooth or camouflage it or throw some, you know, charisma in it. It's just the underlying lifelong attachment pattern is going to come with domination, with a demanding and being exploitive to whatever extent they can be, right? Um, now, their core characteristic trait is grandiosity. So you're always watching and seeing how they always think that they are better than everyone else, right? That they literally can be, you know, <laughs> basement broke, but still find themselves thinking they are superior to other people. We're used to kind of a narcissist that is well accomplished, that is doing well, um, your CEO, you know, your you know, top grade actor, your businessman, but there's a lot of narcissists that have absolutely nothing. And yet they move through life thinking they are superior to everyone else. And you're sitting there and you may have more going on, you know, on paper than they do, right? You can have education, a job, uh, have assets and everything. And you got this other person coming at you as if they are superior to you and somehow cutting down every great thing you've done because they need to, because they have to be better than you. They have to be better than everyone else. And a lot of times they are attracted to someone who is has more accomplishments than them because it is more of a joy to cut them down to size 
right? That's part of the thrill. That's part of the high, right? We call it a duping high of being able to get over on people makes them actually feel alive. Now, their fundamental pattern is arrogance and the deficiency. Remember I said that the um, personality disorders have a trait deficiency. So there's something in them that is deficient. For a narcissist, the most important deficiency is equality. No one is ever equal to them. So you move through the world thinking no matter what, no matter how much someone has done, how much they have, you know, received, no matter how many accomplishments they have, they will never be their equal. So they're looking for holes in your story to bring you down to size. They view themselves as very entitled. They view other people as inferior and they view the world as their kingdom. And this is how they think that they are entitled to make whatever decisions they make. They live by their own arrogance and their own entitlement. And this is how they move through it. So typical behaviors is first they're fishing for compliments. So they will sometimes downplay themselves in order for you to pump them up. But all along, they're paying attention to what you say, how you say it. They're reading you and you don't even realize that they're reading you. But they have to be able to get stuff from you. And then that's when you see that Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, because at some point in time, the rage comes in when the entitlement is challenged or special treatment is not received. And that generally is what triggers them off. And you're like, where did this come from? And it could be something so basic, right? It could be you guys made dinner, whatever. You made your plate and didn't make his. And he flipped off as if you shot his mama. Ooh, wee. Yep. Yep. Right? I've, been, <laughs> I've been there personally. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it's like, this is where they start showing who they are because as long as you're giving them special treatment, as long as they feel entitled, as long as they feel like, the king of the castle, then they can move with you, right? Because you're feeding that part that they need to be fed. But whenever they feel like maybe there is some competitiveness, maybe you have accomplished more than them, then they start being contemptuous and they start being demeaning and the references to you and to others, so one thing that you pay attention to is not just how they treat you or talk about you, but also how you hear them treat and talk about other people. So when you're first getting to know them, they say, oh, this is my friend from 10 years, 15 years, right? And then when you guys are having interactions, they're like dogging the person, right? Tearing them down. And you're like, man, I thought that they were their friend. Maybe they know more than me, right? They'll do it with their family members. They, but they're always tearing someone down. That's a key to you that you got to listen and pay attention to. The other thing is how you're reacting to them. Because what we can sometimes do is start mimicking them. And we can start becoming very selfish and very self-centered, uncaring, right? Manipulative. Um, demanding, rageful ourselves, right? We start becoming power hungry and we may not do it with them because we know that we um, are not a match for them, but we may start doing it with other people. And this is how people start losing their friends or their family start backing up because you have changed into another person, but you don't even see yourself because you now are under this cloak you were under this illusion 
and you're trying to match, you know, as we say, match energy, right? Um, but you're matching something that's about to destroy you and you don't even recognize it. Mm -hmm. So the biggest danger with them is antisocial acts such as exploiting and conning. Um, I think we sometimes downplay the uh, heaviness of what it is really to be exploited in any kind of way of what it is to be conned, right? To be sold a bill of goods and then snatched from it, to be told we're gonna give this and that and then all of it, none of it comes to fruition. Like that's mental games that are being played. Now they're drama type. Remember I told you that they like a drama triangle because that keeps them out of their own abyss. Mm -hmm. So part of their drama uh, type is demeaning. They love to tear people down but they don't always do it just straight to your face. It's just little things. You come home, you're excited about a project you have, you got accolades about this, this, you're going into it, and they'll just drop a seed of self-doubt in you. They'll just do something, oh, but did you get that done? And you're like, man, no, I didn't. But they keep doing it about little things. One, so that you don't really understand what they're doing and the game that they're playing on your mind right? And how they're tearing you down to yourself. Because if you are completely annihilated with yourself, right? And you've lost confidence with yourself to make a decision, um, to, to be able to understand how you're moving and how you understand other people, then they've got you and they don't even have to try as hard anymore. So you got a friendship that you thought was rock solid and then they're slowly throwing little jabs to make you think twice about it. Because isolation is a great tool for anybody that wants to harm you. Mm -hmm. And that's the bad thing too. You mentioned friendship, but people don't realize that you can be in friendships with people who have this personality type or, you know, friendships can be mentally abusive too. They always seem Absolutely. to think that when we're talking about narcissism, we're talking about a romantic thing, but it can happen at work. It can be in family. It can be in your friendships. Pretty much any relationship you're involved in can be, you know, you, <laughs> toxic like this. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and one thing is, is that if you have, you were raised with people that are disordered, right? Then you have a propensity to normalize these toxic traits. And so when you are with other people that have it, you know that it's not as offensive as somebody that was raised in a very functional home, right? With mentally stable, decent people, right? You know, our definition of normal really is good enough to be flexible, movable, learn from your mistakes, have more positive than negative, right? But if you were in a home that had a lot of toxicity, that you have to constantly manage yourself around. You have to constantly relabel things in order for you to be able to make it out. When you get with adults, right? When you grow up and now you can have friendships that are like that. You can have love interests like that. You can have work situations like that. And it's going to take you longer to notice it because it is normal for you. And that's the benefit of therapy <laughs> and good coaching is that it lets you get a window into yourself so that you can see where your own weaknesses are 
and see the things that you have to overprotect yourself from. So if you were raised in a very critical home, right, you already know what that is with a look, with a tone, with just small words of when somebody's cutting you down the sides. You know how to respond to that because as a kid, you had to get yourself cut down the side so no harms came. When you grow up and you're in a job and someone's doing that, you automatically cut your own self down to size so that no one else has to do it. So it is you understanding yourself, which is one of our greatest protectors against abusive people, is that when we don't have our own self-knowledge about whatever it is, right? Because we all got stuff. When I don't have my own self-knowledge, I can fall prey to anything out there because they're going to use what they see against me and I don't even recognize it. Don't forget to like, follow, and subscribe. Also, if you are a Black woman with a story of mental abuse to share, or if you are a Black woman in the mental health field, reach out to us to be featured on the show at samatogethernow at gmail.com. Follow us on Instagram at samatogethernow, and you can also find us on Facebook at Sisters Against Mental Abuse. Thanks for listening, and remember, mental abuse is abuse.